Well, hello, everybody. How are we doing today? How many of you noticed that things looked a little different when you drove up today? Yeah. It's our community weekend, and it's a special weekend, and uh, so we hope that you learn more about our community here at uh, Victory, and we want to share some things with you today as we continue in the uh, Future Church series on what a communal church looks like, what a church that walks in community looks like. We've talked about the importance of God's Word. We've talked about handing things down to the next generation. We've talked about serving and valuing other people. Now today we're going to talk about a church in the future is not one that just gathers together, but one that is strongly connected together in heart-to-heart relationships where we value one another, we strengthen one another, we care for one another, we carry each other's burdens, we build one another up, we spur one another on, we stir one another up, we, can, we fulfill all the one another's of the Bible. There's 59 of them that, that we've been encouraged or are directed to do. So it, it's one of those things where when we value other people, it allows us to do the one another's with each other. Amen? And we don't do those when we just gather on the weekend. We do those between Sundays. This is what happens between Sundays, and this is where the church is most alive, is Monday through Saturday. And then we come together on Sunday, and we worship God, and thank God for all that he did Monday through Saturday. And we get built back up, and we go back out. Fulfill the gospel, fulfill the the great commandment, to take the gospel into all the world. Amen? Amen. So, uh, if you will... uh, Let's open up with a word of prayer, and then we'll dive into this topic today on community. Father, thank you so much for your son, Jesus. We thank you, God, that you modeled community to us because you were in community with yourself, you, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And Lord, we were created in your image, and today, Lord, I pray that that part of us, if not already alive, comes alive. I pray, God, that that part of us gets stirred up, that this part of us that is in your image gets brought to a new place in our heart, a higher level of importance. Holy Spirit, we invite you now to come speak to us in a powerful way today. Stir our hearts in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, you know, there's a new epidemic that's happening uh, in the world, and it's, and it's gathering attention. It's not necessarily the coronavirus that's going around, although that has our attention. It's not vaping but between teens and seeing all the, the destruction that that's happening in a teen's life or a person's life. It's not even any kind of epidemic that we're aware of going on in our, and that we can just necessarily put our finger on in our society. This epidemic is actually one called loneliness. Loneliness is one of the, grow, the largest epidemics that our society is facing. It is not shrinking, it's growing. While we are the most connected society ever in the history of man, we're also the most isolated society in the history of man. And America specifically is the loneliest nation in the world. Did you know that? It's the loneliest nation in the world. Did you know that 47% of people suffer with loneliness. So in other words, it's almost like this. That's almost 50%. So if I was to divide this, this uh, service down this row right here, I would say this side, this whole group of people over here may be battling with loneliness. That's a lot of people. And that's people right here in our midst. That means at least almost half of us in here are battling with this epidemic of loneliness. Most connected, yet most disconnected in our hearts. We battle with this thing called loneliness. There's a thing called crowded loneliness. This is where you're lonely, you're around a lot of people, but yet you're lonely. Some of you sit in here today, and you feel like no one around you even notices you. You feel like no one even notices you. We actually see this happen all through uh, our days, wherever we're going. We see people wearing uh, AirPods in their ears, and so we don't dare talk to them. Or maybe we do pull up Uh, We're standing in line at Starbucks, and we're just waiting there. And then somebody walks up to us, and we actually speak to them. And they look at us like we're crazy. What are you doing speaking to me? I don't know. Just being nice. I don't know. But we're just, it's, it's, this is our society. This is what we're dealing with. And this is not the heart of God. This is not God's heart for his people. To live in this place of loneliness. Isolation is the number one reason that we get lonely. 
So I want to talk to you just for a moment about isolation. But I want to start with saying this. It's not a concept I want to talk to you about. It's something that I have personally suffered with. I'm in the people business. I'm around people all day long, every day. I have people come up to me all the time. I want to meet with you. I want to talk to you. Can I meet with you? Can I talk to you? I meet and talk to people all day long. I'm with people literally all day long. And I love it because I love people. I love being around people. However, I was one of these who was victim to crowded loneliness, crowded isolation. I know what it feels like. It is a dark feeling. It's a desperate feeling. It's a lonely feeling. You wonder sometimes if anybody really cares. If some, you really wonder sometimes, does, does it really matter? Does my existence even matter? These are the lines of thinking that go through isolated people's hearts and minds. There's this deep darkness that sets in over somebody who's isolated. And it leads to all kinds of destruction in our lives. It led to destruction in my life. It led to difficulty in my family. It led to difficulty in my personal life. It led to difficulty because I was isolated. I was around thousands of people all the time. Yet I suffered from this very thing called crowded loneliness, isolation. So I understand what it feels like. I understand that it is a, a, a place where you wonder, is there, a, is there a way back out of this hole? Is there a way back out of this hole? And I say it like this, it's, it's like you walk in this dark hole and you walk around and around, but every loop around you go deeper and deeper in it. Here's the thing. There's no magic pill. There's no pill that just you take and it just pops you back out. But you've got to intentionally start walking back out of that hole that you were in. And today I'm going to give you some ways to walk back out of that hole of isolation. Mother Teresa said it like this. She said, loneliness is the leprosy of modern society. And no one wants anyone to know they're a leper. So we'll do anything for people to think that we're important or we'll, we'll do anything to, to carry ourselves in a way that, that says, I have no need. I was one of those people. I remember actually literally standing with a friend of mine one day and, and we were talking about encouraging one another and strengthening one another. And, and I said, you know, sometimes I would like an encouraging word. He goes, really? I said, yeah. He goes, you walk as though you need nothing. It was an indictment on me. And I was like, no, I need exactly what you need. I have a human soul just like you do. I have a heart just like you do. I have the same need that you have. I need to know people and I need to be known by people. I need to know God and I need to know that God knows me. I need to see others and I need to be seen by others. I was in this deep, dark hole. My friend was coming alongside me. I had people pressing in to try to touch me and to try to build relationship with me. And they tried and they tried and they tried. And literally some of them said, it was so hard to get close to you. They would have done anything to be close to me. They were, they were great friends. They still are great friends today. But they were friends who loved me enough to press in and press in and press in and press in. Press past all the boundaries, press past all the walls, press past all the, the smoke and mirrors, press past the stuff to get to the heart. I want to lead us in a way today to say what I experienced and what many of you in here are experiencing, you don't have to experience. It's not God's heart for us. It's not God's heart for me. It wasn't, God, it's not, it wasn't God's heart for me. It's not God's heart for you. It's not the way God designed us. The scripture tells us in Genesis chapter 1 that he made us in his likeness and in his image. He made us. He made man. He made us creative. He made us relational. God himself is relational amongst himself with God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. They're connected as one. They are relational. They relate to each other. That's the way he designed us to live. Is relational beings. So we see this thing called loneliness and isolation is kryptonite to the human soul. 
It's kryptonite to the human soul. It breaks us down. It, it weakens us. It causes us to walk in ways that we don't really want to walk. It causes us to live in ways we don't necessarily want to live. It causes things in our life that, we, that break our hearts, that cause our hearts to yearn for something different. Proverbs tells us in eighteen, Proverbs 18 verse 1, it says, A man who, is isol- who isolates himself seeks his own desire. He rages against all wise judgment. Isolation causes us to do things we wouldn't normally do or to think things we wouldn't normally think. Why? Because there's nobody in our life speaking life. There's nobody in our life challenging us. There's nobody in our life spurring us on. There's no one in our life that's actually helping us and building us and walking in the one another's towards us. Not because there's not people who are willing to. But most isolated people are people who have lots of layers that people have to get through in order to get to their heart. This is not God's heart. It's not His plan. The cry of the human soul is this. Does anyone see me? Does anyone see me? Does it matter? Do I matter? One of the challenges that we're seeing with this epidemic of loneliness is we're seeing increased suicide. We're seeing people who are walking off a cliff in the way they live their lives. We're seeing people who throw things that are very valuable to them away. And it just continues to build and build and build in their life. In fact, studies show that people who are isolated actually live shorter lives. I don't know if you remember this um, back in the day. This, is, this might date me a little bit, but there was a, a, a news anchor, a weather man on the Today Show. Willard Scott was his name. One of the things that Willard Scott did every day was he did the Smucker's 100-year uh, birthdays. And he would celebrate these people all over the nation who turned 100 years old. And they would always ask them, how did you live to be so old? And they would talk about living stress-free lives, but they would talk about living lives of joy. They would talk about living lives in deep relationship with other people. They didn't talk about stuff. They didn't talk about careers. They didn't talk about any of those things. They talked about peace and less stress, and they talked about relational connections. And therefore, they started living longer. They lived 100 years old. That was what those people gave credit to. Because that's the way God has designed us to live. You see, inside of each one of our hearts, there's a God-shaped void that only God can fill. And so many times we're trying to fill it in various ways. We're trying to fill it with careers. We're trying to fill it with with, uh, other types of relationships that aren't healthy for us. We're trying to fill this God-shaped void with stuff or, or whatever the case may be. But only God can fill it. It's like a puzzle piece. It has one shape to it, and that's the only shape that will actually fill it. That's a void inside of each one of our hearts. But there's also another void inside of our hearts. It's a human-shaped void. And here's the thing about that human-shaped void. God himself will not fill it. Because that's not what he designed it to be filled with. He designed it to be filled with interaction and relationship with other people. You see, we see this. In Genesis chapter 2. Because God made man to relate to him. And he made man to relate to man. We see this in Genesis chapter 2 and verse 18. All through Genesis chapter 1. God is creating. God is creating. God is creating. God is creating. Then we get to Genesis chapter 2. But every time he created before this moment. He would say it is good. It is good. It is good. But in verse 18 uh, chapter 2 he says this. It is not good that man be alone. This was the first time that God ever said, it is not good. I want you to think about this for just a minute. There was no sin in the world. Sin had not entered the world yet. Adam had all the animals. He had all of the stuff. He had a perfect relationship with God. Perfect. The scripture says that God would come down in the cool of the day and walk. Talk. There was no sin. But yet God said, it is not good for man to live alone. 
Think about that for a minute. Now, we can certainly apply this, and then he created Eve, and we understand all that, and it definitely applies to marriage, but I think it really applies to life as well. That God did not design us to live alone. He didn't design for us to live isolated. When Jesus was questioned about what's the greatest commandment, he was being questioned. They were trying to trap him, and he's being questioned. And he literally comes back and he says this. To love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. This is in Matthew chapter 22. And then he said the second is like the first. In other words, the second commandment is just as important as the first one. To love your neighbor as yourself. He goes on to say this. All the laws... All the laws throughout the whole Bible, all of them hang on this one thing. To love God and to love your neighbor. All of it hangs on that. He's saying, Jesus is saying, relationship with God and relationship with man is the most important thing. It's the most important thing in our lives because God doesn't want us to feel this pain of isolation and loneliness. Because it's a life filled with darkness and pain. He doesn't want us to feel that way. He doesn't want us to experience that life. He wants us to be connected with others in heartfelt relationship. He wants us to be connected in community. This word community literally means common unity. Connected to another, walking in relationship, unified in purpose, values, and interests. He wants us to walk in this thing called common unity. But when we gather together, we're here under one banner today. We're here under the banner of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And when we lift up the name of Jesus and honor Him and worship Him just as we just did, and we cry out, all of us cried out today, holy are you God. We came under that one banner. But I ask you, are we in unity? Are we experiencing community? Because I believe the future church is going to be a church that cannot be fragmented relationally. It's going to have to be connected relationally. Why? Not because it keeps us relevant, but because it fulfills the purpose of God. It's only a church that's unified. It comes together in common unity, around a common purpose. It comes with heartfelt, heart-connected relationships. It's those types of churches that are going to be powerful in the days that we live in. That's the church that's going to make the difference. That's the way God designed church. He didn't design it to gather in separate buildings all over. He desired a group of people called Christians, a Christ community. To come together, not to split hairs over theologies, but literally to come together and say, let's unify around this purpose. Let's unify around love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And love your neighbor as yourself. Let's unify around go into all the nations and preach the gospel. Baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. If we can unify around those two things, the church will continue to impact the world. It will continue to impact the world in such a profound, profound way. There's a study by a guy named John Ortberg, or he put this study in a book, and I love the title of this book. It says, everybody's normal until you get to know them. Look at your neighbor and say, yep, that's the way it was with you. You were normal until I got to know you. But here's one of the studies that they did. They, they studied about 9,000 people over a stretch of time, and they, they looked at people with all kinds of lifestyles. They looked at people who had very healthy lifestyles. They worked out. They ate healthy. They didn't have bad habits like smoking. They weren't obese or they didn't have any kind of things like that in their life that, that could cause health challenges to them. They were very, very healthy people. They worked out. They, they had their stuff in order. Then they also looked at other people who had uh, some very unhealthy lifestyles. They didn't eat good. They didn't take care of their bodies. They didn't... They didn't um, they didn't, 
They didn't exercise. They had some habits, maybe smoking or drinking or something like that to excess that, caused, that could cause a lot of health issues. But here's what they found in this group of people. Those who had health, unhealthy lifestyles still outlived those with healthy lifestyles. Those who had unhealthy lifestyles and were connected in community outlived people who had healthy lifestyles but were disconnected or lonely. You know what that tells me? It's better to eat Twinkies with friends I'm telling you, it's better to eat Twinkies with friends than to eat broccoli alone. I'm just saying. I think I really, really offended one of, one of our, our church members today because she's a health person and she goes, Pastor, I almost booed you when you said that. I'm just saying, studies show. I didn't come up with the results. So it's better to eat Twinkies with friends than to eat broccoli alone. So how do we do this? Really, literally, how do we do this? The first thing is we have to be intentional. We have to really be intentional to build relationships. We have to say, I'm going to get to know somebody, and I'm going to let them get to know me. Somebody said something to me the other day. They were saying, you know, every time you have these busy lifestyles, it just adds a layer in your life. And I th I'd never heard it put that way, and I thought, that's a really powerful thing. And you think about it, even if the layers are clear, you put a layer, and then you put another layer, and 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 you put another layer. And that's what busyness does in our lives. And it keeps us from being able to see clearly. But when we get intentional, we say, I'm going to remove some of these layers so that I can see. I'm going to remove some of these layers so I can connect. I'm going to remove some of these layers so I literally have time to build relationship with other people. I'm going to remove some of these layers. And when I remove these layers, it allows me to make room in my life for other people. So I can be intentional about doing this. The second thing is we need to slow down. We live from thing to thing to thing to thing to thing to thing to thing. And here's the thing that's so funny about the thing to thing to thing to thing to thing. Most of the time when we get asked, are you excited about going to the thing? We go, oh, oh, no, not really. But we go to the thing and then we add another thing that we're not excited about. We continually add things, they're layers, they're things that we go to that we don't even want to be there. Why do we do that? Why do we do it? Does it make us feel seen? Does it make us feel important? Does it make us feel like, hey, I get invited to all these things, so I must be important, and I've got to go to keep this thing up? I wonder what would happen if we just did this. The thing that we go, uh, about, I wonder if we just cut those out. I wonder if we just made room by cutting the things out that really make us groan when we think about it. We got to go to this party. We got to buy this dress. We got to wear this suit. We got to go do this. We got to go do this so we can be a part of the thing that we don't want to be a part of. We're going to spend hundreds and thousands of dollars to do it. I wonder if we cut them all out and we took the money that we spent on going to the thing we don't want to go to and we just bought some hamburgers and hot dogs and invited our friends over and we do them on the grill. We might groan, but it's from a full stomach. And a happy heart. That's what community does. So the way we can fight off this epidemic of loneliness is we can be intentional. We can make room. We can slow down and get rid of the things that we groan about and embrace the things that cause joy to rise within our hearts. And then lastly, we can live life at the speed of love and not the speed of light. Sometimes we are just going so fast that we can't even see. We don't even notice. If loneliness is the epidemic, then community is the antidote. 
Connected in community is the antidote. And sometimes we can be a part of a big church and think, well, this big church, I don't even know how to get involved in community. I literally sit down with people for years and years and years, not just here at Victory, but in other places where I've been. I've literally sat down with them, and this is about 98% of the time. I'm being generous on this. It's about 98% of the time. Somewhere in the conversation, I will hear this. I've really tried to get connected, but I've had a hard time. Maybe you're one of those. I've really had a hard time getting connected. I've had a hard time knowing how to get into, to start serving. I've had a hard time knowing how to get connected and build friendships in this, in these, in this church. And I, I just, I want to connect, but I don't know how. And then they always say this. I mean, a lot of it's on me. At least they say that. I haven't done my part. I haven't done my part to do it. So I'm not saying this because I think it's something you need to fix, Pastor. I'm just saying, what I hear is this ache that says, I want to I I build deep relationships with people I go to church with. I want to know them, and I want them to know me. And I have a hard time doing it. How does it fit in the life of a church like this? Well, I have a diagram for you. I need simple things. I'm, I'm a simple kind of guy. I want pictures. So if, you, if you're like me, you're going to appreciate this. Here's a diagram. When people come into Victory, they come in through a weekend service or some kind of large event. It's the first time they ever get exposed to Victory. They come in and it's like, I've heard about this church. I've heard that there's all these different nations and there's all these different people groups that go to this one church. And I just think that's kind of cool. And I want to come in. And so they come in and they go, wow, there's 140 plus nations gathered in one place worshiping God under one banner, under the Lord Jesus. We're worshiping God together. That is cool. They get exposed and then they say, I kind of like this place. I want to go a little bit deeper. So they may go to a class. And while we're in a class, this is maybe a membership class where we're telling you about our, our statement of faith or we're telling you about the vision of victory or we're, we're explaining something to you about who we are. We explain it uh, in some kind of class. Or, or maybe you say, hey, I'm, I'm curious about what you believe about this specific thing about God. And so we attend a class that's teaching on that so that we can learn more, so we can just go a little deeper and understand more. And then we go, you know what? I like it here. I've become a member here. Now I want to get connected in the community. I want to get connected in the community. This is where the life is. This is where it really happens. This is where we begin to experience the vision of victory. So many people come in and they stay in the first two, but they don't get down into this community piece. And this is where they, they, they literally go, I don't know if I'm experiencing the fullness of what this church has to offer. Well, if you're not connected in the community, you're not. But this is where we live out our four pillars. Communities aren't transformed here on Sunday. Communities transformed around here Monday through Saturday. And it takes people in community to go out and transform the community. It takes us saying, hey, we're going to come together with other like-minded people under one purpose. And we're going to walk into the community. Maybe we're going to serve at the, at, the, at the food shelter. Maybe we're going to, to, to serve with some of our, 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 our partners that we work with here in the community. We're going to help fill the food pantry. We're going to restock or we're going to go and serve in this area. Or we're going to go see the people in nursing homes and bring the love of God to them. Whatever the case is, communities are transformed by community. The second thing is building families. Families get taught in this room, but they get built in community. They get built in community. I remember hearing a story of about a, a, a guy who was connected to a, a softball team, but this was their small group. This was their community. They related. They played so the guys played softball together as a team, but they related outside of their games. But before every game, they would do what, what, they would, what you should do before a game. They would kneel down, and they would pray. They would pray something like this. God, help us. We're old, and uh, help us not to be foolish and think we're 20 years old. Help us not to get hurt today, God. Help us, God, to win. We feel pretty bad about ourselves when we don't win, so can you help us today? 
Please, God, you're a miracle-working God. Come and have your way, God. Move on us on this field. But before they knelt down to pray like this, they did kneel down. And one of the guys said, hey, before we pray for the game, I need you. Today, before I came, my wife is in the stand with your wives. And today, before I came, I confess that I've been having an affair. And I need you. We need you. They didn't pray about the game. They didn't care about the game. The game wasn't important. Now my brother and sister are bleeding. Their family is obliterated. Their hearts are broken. They're face down in the arena of life. They need us. You know what happened? This community called a softball team gathered around this couple. There was healing for their marriage. This couple now teaches marriage classes. It wasn't through counselors and pastors that they, their family was rebuilt. It was through their community. Were there counselors and pastors involved? Sure. But where it happened was not in a counseling office or in a pastor's office. It happened in their friend's living room or sitting around their dining room table. It happened with brothers who came alongside this brother and said, hey, let's walk this out. Hey, let's walk this out. You don't have to walk it alone. We're with you. It was other women coming around his wife and saying, I know you're heartbroken, but God can heal you. Let's walk this out. That doesn't happen in here. That happens in community. Sure, there's great teaching that might happen in here that helps that. But the connection to one another is what helps us walk it out. We see cultures reconciled, and here's the thing. It's one thing to come and sit with 144 different nations in a room where we're sitting in rows, but it's different when you sit across the table from each other. Oh, wait a minute. You mean we're not reconciled just because we come into the same room together? No. No, we can sit with different people in the room, but do they sit in your home? Do they sit at your table? Do you try their food and they try your food? Do you laugh about your differences as people? Do you, do you, do you even talk about them? I remember we were in a small group, Sherry and I were leading, and we were doing this series. This was a long time ago. It was called Six Qualities That Transform Relationships. And one of the things we were talking about was, is how to show respect and honor to people. And one of the things I said was, when you're showing respect to somebody, we have to look each other in the eye. And this lady goes, uh, uh, not in my culture. I said, what do you mean, not in your culture? She was from Nigeria. She said, in our culture, we actually look down in a way to show respect. I said, really? When America, in our culture, we, we see that as misleading sometimes. If you won't look somebody in the eye, you're going, why won't you look me in the eye? Why won't you tell me? We say to our kids, look at me. <laughs> right here. I want to know you're listening to me. She said, not in our culture. And so one of my best friends was a guy named Kalu Kalu. Some of you know Kalu. Kalu's been a, a victory for 20 years or so. Anyway, Kalu and I were having lunch, and I said, hey, man, I learned something about your culture the other day. And he said, what's that? I said, I learned that looking each other in the eye is not a, a form of respect and honor, but actually when you, look, when you look down in a way that you're actually showing respect and honor. He said, that's true. He said, it was one of the most difficult things for me in, in business, coming to America and doing business because my bosses thought I was misleading them. He said, I'm really just trying to honor them. Well, you know what? It helped me understand all of my friends who would do this when I would come around. I'm like, oh, they're not trying to, they're not, oh, they're honoring me. They're trying to speak something of value to me. 
But you know what? I never would have learned that in here. You just did, but I didn't. (laughs) You're welcome. But here's the thing. Cultures are not reconciled in this room. Cultures are reconciled in smaller rooms. Cultures are reconciled when we sit there and we go, hmm, that's different. How does that work? Talk to me about that. Learn from one another. Our hearts open up and we learn from one another and we go, that's actually really kind of cool. I remember sitting at dinner one night with a, an Indian friend of ours. They were East Indian and they talked to us. He and his wife were, they had an arranged marriage. I'm going, that's weird. <laughs> I'm not sure my, I don't trust my parents to choose for me. But they explained it to me and I went, there's something good about that. There's something about that that's safe. There's something about that. I'm not advocating arranged marriages. I'm just saying, I learned from their culture. I learned something that I didn't know before. Impacting nations. We got a, a, a group right now that's, they're in Miami waiting for their connecting flight. They're coming back from a mission trip, but I've seen pictures of them all week long. I've seen pictures of them and they're laughing and smiling and serving. And what you see If you really look into their eyes, you see joy. You see brotherhood. You see them actually looking at each other, laughing. You see them serving alongside each other, impacting nations together. It's not like that's what my church does. No, that's what we do. That's what we do. So we serve together. This is where we begin to express the vision. But if you just stop at the top two, you'll see a circle come up here. Yeah, when you stop at the top two, which is not bad. We're glad you're here. We're glad you come to classes. Please keep coming. But it's a head connection, head to head. When we get down into community and serving together, we connect heart to heart. I get to know you. You get to know me. I see you in good times. I see you in difficult times. So our greatest expression for community is actually in our small groups. So when you came on the, on the property today, you saw all these different things going on. There's popcorn and cookies and all kinds of different things. It's, not, it's, it's to draw us together. And if you're not involved in a small group today, you can find one. There'll be people out in the lobby. They'll have on shirts like this. You've seen these a time or two today, I'm sure. And th- there are people out in the lobby. Some will have iPads. Or if you want to just uh, text, you can text join group to 25. 827 and it'll pull up all your groups, all the groups that are available. You can text join group to 25827. If you want to serve in the church, you can literally text the word serve to 203040 or you can hold your phone over that funny little thing in the corner and it'll take you there. Future church right there. So here's the thing. Our heart, we don't want you to get down into that lower two levels for us. We want you to get there for you. Because it's where life will be for you. Community is the result of a heart-level connection. So there's a few benefits that go along with uh, community. There are three things that I want to talk to you about today real quick. The first one is accountability. Accountability. Now, some of us see accountability as the policing of right and wrong behaviors. I have accountability partner, and my accountability partner keeps me from doing something I don't want to do. Hogwash. That's the Greek interpretation of that. They don't. When we're looking to somebody else to keep us from doing something that we're not supposed to be doing, we're looking for an external thing to do an internal work. That's why it doesn't work. But here's what accountability is for. I want to hold you accountable. 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 I want to hold you accountable to fulfill the purposes of God in your life. That's what accountability is for. I want to hold you accountable to fulfill all that God has for you because I believe God has amazing things for you. I believe he has amazing things for you and I want to hold you to that. The scripture tells us in Hebrews chapter 10 verse 24, it says, Let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works. Let us consider one another and stir one another up towards the purposes of God in our lives. And you know what? 
occasionally that will mean that we need to take a behavior or two and put them to the side. But here's what the scripture also tells us in, in Hebrews chapter 12, 1. It says, Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which easily ensnares us. Why? So we can run the race that's set before us with endurance. So that we can run the race. We can fulfill the purpose. And sometimes we go, there's a sin in my life that's hindering me from fulfilling the purpose. Let me set that aside. We need friends to come along and say, I'll help you set that aside. But let's set that aside because this is what we're after. This is where we're going. Sometimes it's walking with somebody. This looking at something new. Some, or a new thing that requires courage. Sometimes it's just being with People, when they face things that are very, very difficult. Accountability is about holding someone to the purpose of God, not behavior modification. It's kind of like this. I'm not a basketball guy. But I've watched a basketball game. And what you see is you see basketball players and referees both running up and down the court. You see them. You see it in football. Football players and referees running up and down the court or field. And so whether it's football or basketball or some other kind of sport, they're referees. And what's the referee's job? To enforce the rules. To make sure that nobody breaks the rules. And if they do break the rules, they, they bring the penalty for the rule. But you also find people running up and down the court and around the field that are called team captains. Those team captains are not running up and down the field and, and the court saying, I'm here to enforce the rules. I'm here to hold you accountable to follow the rules. They run up and down the court and the field and say, come on, guys, we can win this game. Come on, guys, we are better than this. Come on, guys, we can fulfill the purpose of this team, which is to win today. Let's do it. We need more team captains in our lives. We need team captains more than we need referees. Amen? So there's accountability. There's belonging. I'm going to do it in very simple forms. ABC. I'm a simple person. ABC of a community. Accountability. Belonging. This is where we were created to live. We all have this need to belong. Psalm 68 verse 6 says, God places the lonely in families. This is how God deals with loneliness. He doesn't isolate us. He takes the lonely and sticks them right in the center of a family. Why? Because every human heart, from every tongue, every tribe, every nation, we all have this innately inside of us. We need to belong. It's something that we get from community. Accountability. Belonging. And the last thing that we get is we get care. Where there's accountability and there's belonging, care is very, very natural for us. It's easy for us to care for the people that belong to us. It's easy for us to care for our family, whether they're our biological family or they're our spiritual family. It's easy for us to reach out and to pray for those who need prayer. It's easy for us to fix a meal for somebody who needs a meal fixed. It's easy for us to come alongside people that we're accountable to to fulfill the purposes of God and people that we feel a sense of belonging to. We care for them naturally. It's very, very easy for us to care for them. And this is where we fulfill the one another's in the Bible. This is where we're encouraged to pray for one another, to bear one another's burdens, to celebrate with one another. Who comes alongside you and celebrates the victories in your life? Who's the one that comes along and encourages you? Who's the one that runs up and down the field of life with you and says, you can do it? Who's the one that you call right before you go into a difficult meeting and say, hey, I'm about to walk into this meeting. Would you pray for me? Who is the person in your life that's like that? I literally have a guy I have coffee with on a regular basis. He attends this church. And we, the other day, we were sitting in the, in, the, in the Starbucks right up here. And he says, what's going on? And so I was talking to him about some of the things that I'm looking at and some of the things that I'm facing, some decisions, some, some things that I've got to walk out. Before we left, he said, hey, let me pray for you. Right there in Starbucks. Laid his hand on me. Pray for me. You know what? We'll get together next week or this coming week. 
You know what I'll tell him? Hey, thank you for praying for me. Here's what happened. Here's how it all played out. Thank you. I appreciate you. Who puts their hand on your shoulder and prays for you this week? We need community. We need people that care for us. Here's what Ecclesiastes 4 verse 9 through 10 says. Two are better than one because they have a good reward for their toil. For if, the, if they fall, one will lift, his fellow, lift up his fellow. But woe to him who is alone when he falls and has another one, has not anyone to lift him up. Woe to him. Imagine my brother who knelt down at a softball game. He had fallen. But he had friends that said, let's get back up. Woe to the man who doesn't have somebody to cheer him on when they face things that require great courage. Woe. That's not what God's heart is. Community is a place of purpose. It's a place of heartfelt connection. And it's a place of protection for us. Would you stand with me? Today, before you leave, if you've not gotten connected in a small group, there are going to be people with community shirts. They'll have iPads. You can text. There's different ways that you can find a group around here. When you came in today, you probably saw cookies and popcorn and things like that. Don't take those and eat them alone in your car. (laughs) They'll make you sick. If you're going to eat alone, we have a broccoli bar for you. But please, today, don't leave without connecting. Grab a cookie, grab some popcorn, grab your kids. There are literally hundreds of people in this room. And we can leave today at least taking our very first step that says, hey, I met somebody new today at church. Hey, I saw somebody that I'm going to connect with. You go, well, who who can I connect with? I don't know. Find somebody that looks like you. Or better yet, find somebody that looks different than you. Connect with them. Hi, my name is. We all have heard the same thing today. Hi, my name is. What's your name? Where are you from? Do you miss home? Do you miss your family? What is that like? They go, man, I feel somebody saw me today. They asked me a question that actually was a little bit deeper today. What about your family? What about the people you love? What about what you do? I want to ask our prayer team if they'll come down. Here's the other thing that community does for each other. Community prays for each other. And I don't know about you, but when I was in moments of great isolation, one of the things that was not heavy and strong in my life was faith. I didn't always believe. When you're a pastor, I'm a human first. I get to pastor. But at the end of the day, it doesn't exempt me from being a man. My faith was not as strong as it had been in different times. And so why do we have people down here to pray? Because you know what? We just need to pray for one another. Some of you came today carrying destructive things in your life. You don't even have the faith to believe that you can step out. That's okay. My brother right here has faith that he will loan you. He will take his faith and he will pray for you. And he will believe God for you. Sometimes your faith is just to step out of your seat and come down to the front. And my brother will pray for you. My sister will pray for you. We will take our faith and we'll share it with you. We'll believe God for you. And today, you may need somebody to believe God for you. You may need somebody to lock arms and believe God with you. That's what community does. We're accountable to God's purposes. We belong to each other. We care for each other. Therefore, we pray for one another. We encourage one another. We strengthen one another.
We love one another. We spur one another on to good things. Whatever you need today. You don't have to be a member here. We're, we're going to go back into worship here in just a second. But if you'd like prayer today, we'd love to pray for you. You can step out of your seat, make your way down, and allow one of us to pray for you. You can go ahead and step out now. There's no shame in it. That's what family does. We care for each other. We love each other. So if you need prayer today, I just want to encourage you. Go ahead and step out of your seat. If you're going, you know what, my marriage is broken and I need somebody to stand with me. That's okay. We're here to stand with you. Or you're saying, man, I'm facing some kind of sickness or some kind of diagnosis in my life and I just, I just need somebody to pray over me. I'm facing a business decision and I just want the wisdom of God. It does not matter what it is. Let us be family. And this is family. God sets the lonely in families. Why? So they can pray for each other, care for each other, provide a sense of belonging. Father, I just thank you. Let's lift our hands. If you want prayer, go ahead and step out of your seat and make your way down. We'll stay here as long as we need to. Father, we thank you for today. God, I thank you that you made us to live in community. God, I thank you for your purposes and your plans in our life. God, I thank you that community is a safe place. It's a place of great purpose. It's a great a place of great encouragement. God, that it is a place of heartfelt connection. It's a place where we share our faith with one another, where we build one another up. Father, I thank you that community is a place of great protection in our lives. And so today, we thank you, God, for creating us for community and providing it for us in our lives. And we just honor you today. Come on, church, just begin to speak out. Thank you, God. We honor you in this place, Lord. We bless your name today, God. We bless your name today, God. In Jesus.